Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. Also, be sure to stick around for the end of every episode where I'm going to reflect on the conversation and offer actionable coaching insights to have a real impact on your life. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. had a good year for marketing. I had people who wanted to hire me and yet there was this thing that I was doing unconsciously pushing money away that made no sense. And I was in that really black, dark, dangerous place, which honestly is why I still do this work and take it so seriously because it is a very dangerous place. And the irony is even though I didn't have money for rent or for food or for insurance or for gas, I still had a coach. Yeah, that's me. Because that's just how I am. Mm-hmm. I sold and my car for my first coach, $10,000. I was walking around LA for a few months because I had no car. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Honestly, I think saved my life and put me on the course I'm on today. Hey everybody, it's Ash here, and I am with Morgana Ray. She is a 10 times number one international best-selling author with more than 20 years working in personal development. She's widely known as the top expert and coach to help you upgrade your relationship with money. So obviously, I had to bring her on to talk about six steps for you to upgrade your relationship with money. And before we started recording, she talked about how we can all imagine money as a person worthy of our admiration as we in embark on our own amazing journey um, worthy of our hearts. And so we are going to uncover your hidden blocks to financial abundance, abolish your financial anxiety, and change your money relationship from a monster um, and really turn it into a money honey, which is uh, what Morgana says. Morgana, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I am honestly, I mean, everybody knows on who listens to this podcast that it's just as much as a journey for me as everybody listening. So I'm really excited to step into these six steps, but I'm also curious what got you to this place and did you ever have pain with money to heal that relationship or what was your journey? Oh, absolutely. I got here because I tried everything else out there and I failed. I'm like the poster child for failure of law of attraction, vision boards, mantras, millionaire mindsets. I did all of it and I was taking all the classes on marketing and selling and I am a good student. Yeah, I was always that good little girl who got good grades, did what she was told And when it came to this one area of life, it didn't matter what I did, how hard I worked, how well I did things, how many testimonials I had, how many happy clients I had. It was like I had this superpower to repel money. 
and I'm I'm based in Los Angeles, so at the worst point. And this was after I already had a mountain of testimonials from movie stars and producers and directors, and I had a reputation for producing pretty miraculous results. And I was struggling to make a hundred dollars a month in one of the most expensive cities in the world, which I share that with a kind of, I have to say, perverse pride because it's not, <laughs> you know, it takes a certain talent to fail that well when you're working so hard and doing everything right. I laugh now, but at the time, it was devastating and terrifying. And I had a really dark night of the soul because I kept throwing more money that I didn't have at the problem. I kept taking more classes as if if I had another coaching certification, then, then I'd be able to charge and make money. If I took another class on selling or marketing, then that would solve the problem. And I just finished taking this class on overcoming sales objections. Mm -hmm. And for who, if anybody out there doesn't know what that is, there are classes that give you scripts on what to say when people say I can't afford it or I don't have time. And, you know, I, I followed the scripts. I was a good little girl, good little girl in her 30s. <laughs> um, and seven times in a row, I overcame their objections. Yay. And not a single one of them showed up or paid me. And that was when I ran out of hope. It was like the wheels just came off the cart and I, I had a meltdown. I just didn't know what to do. And I remember specifically pulling the drapes shut in my little bedroom and lying on my bed and just screaming. I just, I felt so hurt and heartbroken and outraged. And I felt hated by the universe and I hated the universe back. And really, honestly, I didn't want to be alive. Wow. And it's a, it's a money goes to the heart of how we feel about ourselves, which by the way, is why all these years later, and I've made millions since then, which is amazing to me, like how just still yeah. really amazing to me. But it's how deep this goes into how we feel about ourselves and our lives. If we feel loved, if we feel safe, if we feel worth anything is so tied into money. And I've coached so many thousands of people. I've been coaching since 1996. Holy cow. Um, <laughs> I was, and I got, I, 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 honestly, in the 90s, my dad lost his company and that was the beginning oh, of my money mindsets. Or, you know, you said, don't say money mindset. Can you tell us about that, by the way? Oh, yeah. Why are you opposing well, the concept? Because everybody talks first, about mindset. Yeah, first of all, always, always, always do whatever works for you. So if you're good at mindset and get the results you want, if you're good at positive vibrations and that's enough to get the what you want, like I'm not here to take anybody's goodies away from you. And here's my perspective on mindset. If mindset worked, 
nobody in America would ever have to go on a diet again. Because we have the mindset, and that isn't, in my experience or studies, where behavior happens. Behavior comes from much deeper. It comes from our body. It comes from our appetite. I, because of the nature of my work, I like to say heart set or lower, uh, because I find that the mind will follow the heart, the mind will follow our desires. But our mind can justify anything. And sometimes it tells us the truth and sometimes it doesn't. So I want us to get out of our heads and into our bodies and into our hearts and let our truth and our pleasure and our deepest, truest self lead us instead of our beautiful, brilliant, brains that change all the time. Right. Well, and, you know, I, I find it fascinating, you know, and I used to say that when I started my course, the Job Offer Academy, which is to help people land a new job, I remember thinking the reason I liked being a career coach at the time and not a life coach was because I liked the idea that I could give somebody the skills to have something in their hand, like a job offer versus life coaching. I felt like, man, mindset is so malleable. In a moment, somebody can have one belief and then the next they have a new belief and it felt really um, intense for me to have to hold the fact that I could do this deep work with somebody and their mind could change. And so that was what got me into career coaching in the first place. But I'm so curious, like, why is it or what is it about your strategy that people, you recommend people see money as a person worthy of your admiration? What is that about? Okay. Well, that came from my own experience after failing everything else. And I have a theory now that if you're doing everything right and you aren't getting results, you are protecting yourself from what you want unconsciously and by the way that that's the other limitation of mindset is mindset is conscious yes and that's maybe two percent of the picture it, uh, I like to use the metaphor of a ship like the captain can say we're going to Argentina but if the crew below <laughs> below the deck wants to go to Japan the ship is going to Japan so my story is I was in that really dark place. This was way back in early 2003. And I already had mountains of testimonials and the, a great website, my tagline, business cards. I, and I had a good year for marketing. I had people who wanted to hire me. And yet there was this thing that I was doing unconsciously pushing money away that made no sense. And I was in that really black, dark, dangerous place, which honestly is why I still do this work and take it so seriously, because it is a very dangerous place. Um, And the irony is, even though I didn't have money for rent or for food or for insurance or for gas, I still had a coat. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. Because that's just how I am. Mm -hmm. I sold my car for my first coach, $10,000. I was walking around LA for a few months because I had no car. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's important. It's, you know, and it's, and it honestly, I think saved my life and put me on the course I'm on today. Me too. So my coach, so back up a bit. So I'm on the bed and I'm screaming and I'm crying. And when I completely cried myself out, 
I had two thoughts. One was that for me, Morgana, money needed to be my next area of spiritual growth. Beautiful. That does not, by the way, have to be true for anybody else, but I'm from Southern California where spirituality is really (laughs) easy. You know, it's, it's like in the water and that was my workaround to make money acceptable or the beginning of it. And the second piece was I got curious about what was going on inside of me that couldn't be with money because it was weird. I had the Ivy League education. I had the great marketing. I had great testimonials from high profile clients and to still not be making money and wasn't making sense. Mm. So I, I had a call with my coach very soon after. And this is when everything changed. He just had a moment of brilliant, weird inspiration from who knows where. And this is what came through him. The first question was, he asked me what had happened with money growing up, which by the way, is just a good coaching question, not earth shattering, But I did remember some major things around money that happened as a child that I didn't think at the time affected me, but did. Mm -hmm. So that was like the first, oh, light bulb. Hmm, maybe I do have money issues. It was the second question that rocked my world. He asked me, if your money was a person, who would your money be? And in that moment, I instantly saw my money as this big, tall, scary, dirty, violent biker who terrified me. Hmm. And until that moment, I had no idea that I felt that way about money, that it was terrifying, that it was dangerous, that it was dirty, that I didn't want to be with it. I didn't know that until it was a person and the person felt so real and I had a full body experience. And in that moment, I imagined myself at a live event and I saw him with the wife beater and the sideburns and the bald head and the tattoos. And I, and by the way, no offense to bikers or people who look like that, but this guy was bad. And it was as if I had my eye on him all the time to keep maximum distance between the two of us. And that was the first moment in my entire life that my financial situation made sense. Hmm. Wow. My my existential response to him was so strong that I knew that there was no way that I could possibly have money in my life if it was this guy. And I had to get rid of him. But you know, Morgana, it's a tough question, right? Because I'm just like, I'm trying to picture who my, if my relationship with money was a person. It's such a tough, I'm I'm not seeing a visual yet, you know? So how can somebody... That's because you're skipping a step. Mm, Okay. So the the first step, and sometimes it's quick because somebody listening is in so much pain and anxiety and it's so present that person is in luck because she will have the easiest access to the monster um a few years ago in sun valley because of our mutual friend perry i was speaking at the wellness festival and the first time i spoke a woman came up to me after i spoke 
and took me aside and confessed that she was suicidal. Wow. And I take that very, very seriously because I've been there. Yeah. And I, and I said to her what I would have wanted someone to say to me. I didn't try to sell her anything. I just, re- I just told her to stay alive, that it will get better. Her job is nothing but to stay alive long enough for it to get better. Beautiful. And she ended up buying my Money Goddess Experience Home Study course that I was selling at the event. And I bonused in a 15-minute conversation with the people who purchased it. And so about three weeks later, we had a conversation. And this is very interesting. The first week, she went through the process to uncover all the pain and personify the money monster and slay the money monster and when it's gone, then meet the money, honey. She followed the six steps, and I'll talk you through what those steps are in the time we have. And she made $10,000 unexpectedly that day. Wow. And then she did it again, and she made more money. And I'm like trying to remember, I think it was more like $30,000 the second time she did it. And then we had a conversation, and I heard things in her life and in her background that I thought, whoa, this would be great to use as a monster. And so she used that because I I can hear things, and I've been doing this a very long time, so I, I know some of the things that will unlock the monster for a person, and it's never about money. That's the That's the trick. It's about the other stuff. It's about like abuse, uh, heartache, betrayal, genocide, danger, accidents, anything that has ever made you feel ashamed or like you didn't want to be alive. And that that's the really juicy stuff that unlocks the monster. So the interesting thing is we, we spoke for like 15, 30 minutes. And a couple hours later, she got a call regarding a house that she'd had on the market for years and nobody had even looked at it in over a year. And that weekend she sold the house for over a million dollars. Cool. <laughs> yeah, well, so what? So, what is this about? I know these well, six steps. Well, the reason I share that story is because, and I don't measure it in dollar amounts, although that is such a great example because it has a tangible measurable result that's the fun thing about a money niche is it's really easy to measure but it's the frosting it's the feeling right with the world that's really what the work is about the reason i tell the story of this person is because in a way the person who is in the most pain and anxiety and grief right now wins Wow. Because it, you are already the first step, which is uncovering the root cause. And the root cause is always issues of love and worth and safety. That's what money represents. Money represents love and our worth or the worth of things and our safety, especially in the United States, but everywhere. And though that's the hardest step. I can spend four hours with one client just digging to get there where ding, 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 it suddenly opens up and there it, the, the experience is strong enough that now we can make it into a monster. So the reason you're having trouble is because you have not gotten into that deep state of uncovering the root cause. There's a way in, 
in neurolinguistic programming, there's which I took after I years after I created this process, and then my neurolinguistic programming training explained why my process works. And I, one of my clients is a neurologist who loves to tell me why this works. Is we're lighting up all of your neurology, which then becomes plastic, and then we can rewire you. So the more extreme the monster is. The more extreme the experience is, the more it, the the more dramatic the change, and the more it sticks. So I call this process alchemy, financial alchemy. Although I've used it for other issues like love, success, life. By the way, I did a love monster on myself, which was bigger and badder than my money monster. And I met my husband two months later, and we're currently getting married a hundred times in a hundred countries. That's incredible. Twenty weddings down, eighty to go. Wow, um, I love it. You are balls to the wall, Morgana. I just love it. <laughs> like between your monsters and the suicide, and then hundred times married to the same guy. I mean, it's amazing. And I'm also so curious. Like a lot of the women and, and evolved men too who are listening right now, they are probably thinking like, okay, yeah, I I have a horrible relationship with money. It stressed me out. I'm anxious, but I don't really know what the root cause is. Like in my case, my dad lost all of his money when I was a kid and he was panicking all the time. Um, and there are moments as an adult now where I see little things that show my relationship with money. For example, I was recently in Las Vegas with my best friend, Nicole, and she very freely walked into the hotel room. And you know how there's those foods in the hotel room where it's censored and for like $20, you get a water bottle and for like $50, you get a cookie. Like it's just really expensive. And we were at the Wynn Hotel and she just grabbed the cookies off of the sensor and I felt my body be like, whoa, because I remember my dad, whenever we were growing up as kids, he would say, okay, you guys, you see that food right there? Like, don't touch that. There's sensors. They charge crazy amounts. Like, be careful. So I remember not even wanting to get within a mile's radius of the snacking section of well, the hotel room. I would room. say that's, a, that's kind of an extreme reaction, but I would also say that I wouldn't use those either because I think it's wasteful and disrespectful of money. Mm. Not because I can't, but I, I just, I don't, you know, it's not part of my value system to spend $20 on a bottle of water unless that's the only <laughs> option I have. But um, So that's where it comes so, in to see it as a person because it's like you well, want to respect this person that is good to you. For me, okay, I... Let, may I, let me go back to my story, but before I do, there something came up when you were speaking that I that I thought would be helpful to point out. When you're talking and looking for your money monster, the root cause of your relationship with money. When I'm coaching a client, the sooner I can get them off the topic of money, the better. So the stuff with your dad went very deeply and directly to how your dad felt about himself, which would be terrifying to a child, and also your own sense of security. But I would also take a look at things like, were kids ever mean to you at school? Um, were you ever betrayed or violated by a loved one? Uh, I would start looking for where the pain has been in your life. Mm. Not so on the nose about money, because when you stay on the topic of money, that's the surface. That is 
it gives us an indication that something is wrong, but it's an invitation to go deeper. And I've never, ever found the monster itself in the money story. Mm. So I do have colleagues who will say very cute things like change your money story, change your life. And again, if it works for you, do what works for you. That has never worked for me or any of the people I have coached. Mm-hmm. It's the, for example, about 11 or 12 years ago, I coached this lovely man. And the root cause that created, it was like a trigger event for him that forever impacted the way he felt about himself and felt and how he felt about himself in relationship to women and money was when he was a small child, maybe three or four years old, he was kind of playing doctor with a gr- little girl the same age, like I did, <laughs> you know, you know, like most of us did. We were curious about, uh, you know, children and genitals and other genders and stuff like that when we were babies. And he remembered doing that and having an adult walk into the room and his feeling of shame was so acute in that moment that it set him on a course that was still affecting his relationship with women and with money many decades later. Wow, that's so interesting. So like your sex, it's so interesting to me that this podcast conversation would go anywhere towards sex when it or sexuality or sensuality or your body relationship. But I totally see where you're drawing that line. Could you tell- Body and sex, by the way, are great places to look for anybody, male or female. There's almost always, almost always, because that's the other taboo. <laughs> uh for women also like eating disorders a woman with an eating disorder that that is such a great way into the money monster and years ago i had a client i'm trying to remember her name in the moment because she's given me public testimonials i never share anything without permission um And she had such a severe eating disorder that her vital signs were so bad, her doctors had told her she should be dead. Wow. She was five foot 10, had gone from 90 pounds to 180 pounds, doubled her weight in six months, and then had anorexia and bulimia for 12 years, nothing, hypnosis therapy, nothing she tried worked. She gets on this interview regarding relationship with money, which was not what she thought her issue was, but she liked my photo. <laughs> this is many years ago. And and she hired me after hearing me speak. And as soon as I heard about the eating disorder, I knew I wanted her as a client. Mm. So we pretend that we're working on a relationship with money, but the whole time I'm working on her relationship with her body and the eating disorder. And she has not had an eating disorder a single day since. Morgana, this is really powerful. And I'm noticing that I myself, which means the listener too, I'm still not drawing the link. Like, what does your body have to do? Like, I'm happy to be a guinea pig. Self-worth. Any issue Mm. that has to do with self-worth or lovability. Mm -hmm. And an eating disorder is, is 
suicide. Yes. Because I had one. So when I was a teenager, so I under anything that makes you not want to exist, that's the monster. It will show up in your money to get your attention. The universe gets our attention primarily through love, health, and money. Those are the big challenges, the wake-up calls, the opportunities for growth. So, and if money is your teacher, congratulations, because it will get your attention faster than anything else because it affects everything else. It's the number one excuse for anything you can't have, do, or be in this world. Wow. Okay. That is such a good bite-sized thought for me. And I guess, you know, in my case, and, and you can correct me if I'm off here, but what I'm sensing and what I actually have realized more in recent years is that my relationship with money is like, I'm, I'm good at making it, but I've always not been good at keeping it. And that's been something that I've been working on with my own worthiness. Like, what is it about my beliefs about myself that keeps me spending? And that was even when I had my business at its height, I would put out more towards to support the business growing and not yeah. keep my revenue as a paycheck to myself as often, even though I did pay myself. And so I remember realizing at some point, and I'm really curious for anybody listening, if they resonate with this, I remember realizing that I was always spending my money on things that made me feel better about myself. So if I was single and dating, it would be like a new outfit or um, something like to help me feel better in my body. Like if I didn't feel good about the way my body looked, a new outfit would or something with my hair or new makeup, things like that to just make me feel prettier or more desirable. So I'm curious. To like, compensate. Yes. To compensate on the outside what was broken on the inside. And even though I haven't coached you, what I, I am good. Do you mind if I go out on a limb? Oh, my God, please. Based on the little bit that you shared? I love to be a guinea pig here. Okay, so... When your father lost all his money, he felt like a failure as a man. Yeah. I would be surprised if he did not at some point even consider killing himself because this is men have their identity so tied in with protecting and providing for their families. And for the pain that women have with money, which is huge, the men that I've coached have bigger, badder, harder to kill monsters. And, and so I have well, in very, fact, he, very deep love and compassion for our men. He did come up to me when I was a little girl, and I, I know that his stress was so big. He Because he lost, I think, $33 million. My dad had a big company, and we lost our house. And I remember he looked at me one day because I think he had such trouble managing his emotions because it was just so overwhelming for him. He looked at me as a little girl, and he said, You know, Ashley, some people kill themselves when they lose this much money. Okay. So, Bing, this is what I was tuning into. Yeah. Money is dangerous for you because it can go. It can betray you. It can leave. And by the way, I don't know if you've had that experience with with lovers also, that mm -hmm. they come and go. Usually I'm the one that goes, but I've been working on that. Okay. Just, um, and sometimes we do that, you know, to protect ourselves. But so money was really dangerous because you could not rely on it. And mm -hmm. it caused that degree of pain to your father that he wanted to die and he taught you at a very young age way 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 too young for you to know that it had this impact he taught you that money kills mm -hmm. we make decisions as very little children without knowing it until many decades later so if money is a killer why would i want to make have it very very good reasons to keep it at a distance or get rid of it when it becomes too big. 
Definitely, definitely. And I remember watching him as a little girl, scared it would take his life because he was so stressed. I remember thinking, because he would talk about his blood pressure, and I remember thinking, is this going to take him? And um, yeah, I'm just kind of moved just telling you this now. So this is great for everybody listening, I think, as an example of, and I'm guessing what you would argue here too, is that there was a lot of meaning about my worthiness to be here as his daughter, if he was going through so much pain over the loss of money, because I was still there and he wasn't totally emotionally available. And, and side note, my dad is an incredible, fascinating, funny little creature these days. And <laughs> And he's grown past a lot of this and he still suffers. I still watch yeah. him suffering with his mindset. And it's so funny, you know, at dinner, sometimes I think to myself, like my dad really thinks he's his thoughts, you know, and I've said this on an episode before. So sometimes I listen to him talk and I'm like, oh my God, poor thing. He really thinks he's what he thinks. And, you know, but um, for my own healing, it, it has been an extraordinary journey because I am really good at making money, but I'm really good at getting rid of it. And I think that you are definitely onto something here. So for anybody listening who just watched how you facilitated me, what could, what question could they ask themselves to kind of get closer to that root cause? Um, I start with when I'm coaching a new client and, and by the way, I have resources cause we have so little time and yeah. I don't expect anybody to master this in an hour and I'm trying to cram 20 years <laughs> into an hour, but I would start with what are the negative things that you've seen or heard or experienced about money? I start there, but I also really recommend getting off the topic of money itself because it wasn't really the money loss that hurt you. It was what it did to how your father felt about himself and how it took your father away from you, made him less available, that money got in the way of love. Yeah. Um, I also think that it, that I'm also sensing that you have a, a bit of a love monster too. We haven't gone into that. I'm so available. But that's, Free range well, episode two with you. <laughs> all, all money issues are love issues. Yeah. Um, but f so for me, I, I don't think we... <laughs> I don't think we finished my story. So I got rid of the biker because I want to get to the money, honey. But the way to the money, honey, is the money monster because the 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 horribleness of the money monster creates attention like a slingshot. It wakes you up. It just lights up all of your nerves and gives you leverage and a reason to get rid of it. The monster is everything you reject in your life. So for example, I did my process again, just a couple months ago. And it's not a, I totally recommend not making it a one-time thing. Um, and my monster monster was all about immigrant children being locked up in concentration camps where they're being abused sexually and, and, not getting medical care, not being protected. And that is so horrifying to me and so unacceptable to me that it was making the world an unsafe place. So I used that to get into the pain and the tears and wherever I needed to be to reject that from my life. I made it into a monster, a person. I destroyed it. And when it was completely gone, then there was an open space. So this began back in 2003. I got rid of my biker monster, the first one. 
And my my reaction was, yay! And then, oh, heck, (laughs) I live in Los Angeles, and I just got rid of my only relationship with money. Now what? And I thought to myself, well, who could I want in my life so much that I'd be willing to have this person in my life, even if it's money? Because money was such an area of pain and feeling bad about myself and feeling bad about life and feeling disconnected and all that unsafe, all that kind of stuff. I didn't want to ever go near that experience again. So I needed something very, very different. So I was thinking, who could I want so much? And by the way, this is key because it only works when the relationship is based on love, when it's about a person instead of about cash. So when I asked myself, who would I want so much? In my mind's eye, suddenly arose, I saw this tall, dark, handsome, sweet man in a tuxedo holding a bouquet of red flowers who loved me, Mm. whose heart I'd been breaking for years, who wanted to be with me, who loved me more than anything in the world. And I was stunned Um, because it was so sweet and because it was so weird Because I'd never thought about money that way before. And by the way, you cannot skip the monster to get to the money, honey. The bed's not big enough for the two of them. (laughs) The monster will cancel out the honey. The monster is like your portal. It's like a magical portal that your key to this other place, this money, honey. And he was so real and so lovable. And it didn't feel like it was about cash at all. I had to remind myself that it was. And and I remember feeling surprised at how much power I have because he wanted to be with me, but it was really up to me because mm. I'd been so good at keeping him out. And he'd been waiting so patiently my whole life. So I asked him, and now this is step five, what do you need from me so you can stay with me? Not what do you need from me so you'll love me? That's not an appropriate question. By definition, everything else has been annihilated. All that exists is love. And this is your relationship. So this person loves you more than anybody in the world. And before you even go on, I just want to let everybody know the steps so that they can kind of see where you went here. Um, So you were saying number one is uncovering the root cause, which we've really talked about here. Number two is personifying pain into your money monster, which we can talk about. Obliterating your monster by any means necessary is number three. Meet your money honey is number four. And five is dialogue with your money honey. So it's the ideal personification. Right. Um, So right now you're talking about, we've talked about uncovering the root cause and now it's dialoguing with the ideal version. We've been, I spend the most time on the first step because they build on each other and you can't skip it. If something isn't working, I always go back to earlier steps and see what wasn't complete. So Mm -hmm. the biggest one is digging up the root cause, the root cause pain, which by the way, is the root cause, not just of money problems, but health problems, relationship problems. It's really about, I would think more about your relationship with life, which shows up in money because that's where it's going to get your attention. Um, two is when it's bad enough, that's when you make this 
behind a wild leap of imagination and imagine that an external person is responsible for all of this. Okay. Because we are not going to destroy you or any part of you, so we make it outside yourself. And we also don't make it your parents, even though I know some people have monstrous parents. Right. So this would be like uh, your biker. You life. And you wouldn't kill them in real life, I should hope. So let's save you that disconnect of believability and you don't have to kill any parents you kill like the puppet master that used your parents to hurt you or whoever hurt you that's so step number three is destroying the monster we don't make it a parent step number four is when the monster is completely gone and it's absolutely binary it's like you're pregnant or you're not the monster is gone or it's not and if there's any leftover Go after that until it's all gone. And then there's room to meet your money, honey. And if you aren't meeting your money, honey, it's usually because there's still some monster left over. Uh, Meet your money, honey. The more the money, honey, feels like a separate pre, you know, like his or her own person. Like you don't have to struggle inventing it, the better. Um... Years ago, I got a letter from somebody named Lynn Swanson. This is one of my favorite stories because her I knew she got it before we got to the punchline, which was the money. But she wrote to me about how she slayed her monster and met her money, honey, and he looked like John Travolta in the white suit from Saturday Night Fever. And she thought that that was ridiculous. So she kept trying to imagine him in another suit, but he wanted to wear the white suit. And as soon as I read that, I was like, okay, yeah, I... Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. This is, this is real. And he told her what he wanted her to do. She was, um, she owned her own business. She had payroll due, didn't have the money. She had a ton of outstanding clients who hadn't paid her. And she was freaked out because payroll was Friday and she didn't have the money and nobody was paying and she didn't know what to do when she did this process. So she slays the monster, meets her money honey, who looks like John Travolta in the white suit, asks him what he wants her to do. And this, now we get to step number six, which is to take concrete measurable action to show yourself that this relationship has changed physically, not just mentally. Um, What her money honey told her to do, and he was really clear, was he told her to transfer money from one bank account to another, which is kind of funny because that does nothing. Hey, U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Job Offer Academy, our e-course to help you land a new job you love. So if you're sick of applying for jobs and never hearing back, and you'd like to try a free version of our job hunting course, just head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com slash job offer. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash job offer. Now let's get back to this week's episode. And you know what? I'm so sorry you were on such a roll with your steps, but I know my listeners and I know they're going to have some questions really quick. Mm -hmm. Um, So number one, we were uncovering the root cause, which was really wonderful. And I think a lot of people got some tools just as they're listening now. But number two was personifying the pain into your money monster. So just to clarify for you, that was the biker, right? That was the biker the first time. Okay. So for me, it's probably like Ted Bundy, the serial killer, like good looking, but kind of (laughs) scary. Well, don't, don't prefab, don't prefab your monster. Let it surprise you. Um, 
Get into the state of pain first and then see who shows up. Okay, wonderful. That's great action. Um, Also, you know, I was very lucky that I could see my monster, but I've coached thousands of people and some people have a lot of trouble seeing the monster. So this is what I recommend is start with the feeling. How big is it? Is it hot or cold? What does it smell like? And allow yourself to gradually flesh out what what your monster looks like. But because our our sight, our visual sense is so literal, it's so part of the conscious mind that it can get in the way of our intuition. So sometimes it works better, both with the monster and the honey, to start with touch and then maybe scent, and then maybe sound before we like put this imaginary person under the interrogation lights, Mm -hmm. which scares off all intuition. Okay. And so then getting into step three, and just as I listened to you talk, it kind of went from Ted Bundy, the serial killer to like a slave driver, almost like whipping. That's a good one. Yeah. You don't know who it is yet. So when you go to obliterate your monster by any means necessary, what does that kind of look like for everybody listening? If they do sit with the feelings, sit with the pain and come up with a visual of what their money monster looks like. It's highly individual. Like I have these six universal steps, but nobody is the same. I've never coached two people the same way. Um, everybody will have their own tempo and their own way. So some ways that people have gotten rid of their monsters, lightsabers, machetes, machine guns, flamethrowers, sharks, volcanoes. Uh, one client drove over her monster with a, a monster truck. Love that. Um, Adam bomb. I mean, just whatever, whatever it takes to make it gone. Is this a visualization process? Like before you go to bed at night or how do you? Oh, please. No, never. Oh my God. Oh, that would be horrible. No, you have to complete the whole process. I would not, if this is not a go gently into the night. No, this is, uh, I've had clients scream, acted out physically this is a very high energy and maybe it's visual and maybe it's your full body it's a whole person whatever it takes again every person is different wow uh yeah don't don't do it while driving don't (laughs) Don't do it before bed and when i coach somebody through this process we set aside four hours minimum even if it doesn't take that long and you know god is willing it doesn't take that long although it's taken longer than that sometimes my ethical duty is we don't stop in the middle (laughs) you know i will outlast any monster anybody comes up with because that's my job Mm. Uh, it's a big life-changing thing and do you have any courses that anybody can do if they want to do this on their own, or is this something that is Absolutely. necessary? Absolutely. My website is MorganaRay.com. First, I have like an easy-peasy free four-part video that goes over some of this and then answers some questions that we won't get to today. But I have, I have great self-study courses. My um, 
at moneymagnetu.com and I and my Money Goddess Experience Home Study course. And then, you know, our mutual friend Perry did that and then came with me to Bali for my Money Goddess Experience retreat where I coach everybody through the process. Wow. Um, and I have, uh, just at my website, I have lots of audio classes uh, for purchase and hundreds of articles and videos for free because I believe that transformation should be available whatever your starting circumstance. And some people come to me and, and they are like on the edge of the financial abyss and other people come to me and, you know, I've coached clients a billion dollars and there's, there is money, pain and drama anywhere there is life (laughs) because, you know, it's, it's, if it's not money, it's, it's love and it's, it's life purpose and it's our relationship with being alive as human beings on this planet. Hmm. Okay. So it's good. There's resources for them to go through that process. Cause I was like, wow, this is extraterrestrial. It sounds like for a lot of people to, to like act it out alone in their room. A lot of people that feel so vulnerable and I get it. And, and, and my apologies, cause I'm dumping a lot of very advanced level stuff on a beginning audience. No, I think that this audience is so, I think everybody listening is available to this and it's just more awesome. like the how, because to me, when somebody says obliterate it by any means necessary, I could have thought, okay, come up with a new budget, you know, all the way down <laughs> to like visualizing all the way down to having a breakdown alone in my, in my apartment, you know, whatever na- you name it. And then that brings us to step number four, which is meet your money, honey. So I'm guessing this is arguably only doable once you've had whatever episode you need to have to once release the it. monster is gone. And by the way, the, the bigger and badder and more dramatic the monster, the better, because the money, honey will be that much bigger and that much better and that much more powerful than any monster you can have. So we, you know, I am, I am a drama queen here. There's no magic in, in neutrality. We want maximum polarity because I want dramatic results that last with you for the rest of your life. Mm. It's amazing. So, so you meet your money, honey. Oh, the Lynn Swanson story. So Lynn transferred the money from one bank account to another. Then on her way back to the office, she stopped to pick up coffee and she's standing in line on her smartphone like we all do now and she got an email from a client who had been invoiced that day who was wiring everything he owed that day even though it wasn't due for like another 60 days a really big uh five figure amount of money that covered all of her debts and paid the payroll and left some money over and she looked at the time stamp between transferring the money at the bank And the email that she got from this client, and it was two minutes. Wow. I love how life can happen fast. Yeah. And I think that's actually what you're just hitting on right now is a big deal because I think a lot of people, the bigger the mess or the bigger the mess feels, the more they think the longer it's going to take to clean up. And I don't believe that. And that's a fundamental belief. I think a lot of people either grow up with that certain things have to take long or um, come up with through some sort of trauma. I have no idea. 
Um, but as far as the money honey goes, I, I, I'm clear that you can't really come up with that visual of who that person that you want to personify it as is. For me, even though I'm not totally clear on what my monster looks like, I'm seeing like Mother Mary. So I'm dreaming big over here, like okay, Jesus is so mom. So I'm going to, I'm going to thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Um, I think that's lovely and maybe that could be a transitional money honey for you and i have found through trial and error that a lover archetype gets the best results when i first had my transformation and the day after i met my money honey and he told me he i asked him what he needed from me and he told me he needed me to love him and to stop treating him like a monster and we made an agreement this is step number six that next time he brought me a gift which usually looked like a potential client i would say thank you and my way of saying thank you would be to when somebody asked me my fee i would tell them without apology, without a song and dance, without a whole bunch of icky feeling behind it. And the next day, four people called me and hired me for double what I'd ever charged before. And that was, that was the beginning of the change for me. Wow. Um, we don't, I never can promise or predict anything regarding what's going to happen with money. I'm, I'm always delighted and surprised. And I get these emails Daily, I, I had a, a VIP half-day coaching session with a guy two weeks ago. A week later, he sent me an email saying that he had already made back more than double his investment, which is fun and not something I can promise. But what we really want, what the real value is, is that no matter what your circumstances are, and circumstances in life will from time to time look really scary, because they're supposed to, because that's the game we signed up for when we came here, is for you to have access to your highest resourcefulness, no matter what things look like. Love that. So that you can respond with self-love and with your best, most genius response to anything and turn it into, you know, turn it into your art. Do you know what I love about what you're saying, Morgana, is I think everybody has a different way of tapping into their highest resourcefulness. So in my case, I've always, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, I've always hired really, really transformational people. And it has given me what I feel is mastery around facilitation. And, you know, I'm still a work in progress always. Um, But what I've also found is that my venue for transformation, for resourcefulness has been saying, who's been here before? Who's mastered this? I'm going to hire them. I'm going to do anything to be able to invest in them. And of course, with my beautiful relationship with money, sometimes that means making myself broke in the past to hire the best of the best. Other people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What we, you know, it's all part of the, but I know that a lot of people listening, maybe their way, and I just want to wake them up to this and ask you as a listener the question, how, what does it look like when you are in your highest form of resourcefulness? Because I've found that some of my friends are avid readers and their highest form of resourcefulness. Um, for example, my friend Russ, um, one of the founders of Expedia, I was talking to him just the other day and he was telling me, I don't believe in saying I don't know something. I just pick up a book and by the end of it, I know a lot about something. 
And so that's his resourcefulness, and I'm sure there's a lot of other ways. Other people, their resourcefulness is through networking, and that's definitely me as well. Talking to as many people as possible, using my relationships for the greater good, being authentic in my connections and expanding my network. So those of you listening, there's a lot of ways to be resourceful. Um, and so kind of going back to these steps, Morgana, you know, we've un- people are going to, you know, do step one, uncover the root cause. They're going to personify it, you know, kind of give it, you know, your biker personality or whatever it is for me, the slave driver, whatever it is, by feeling the pain, obliterating them through going through an experience, number three, meeting their money, honey, and having a dialogue is number five, talking to them. So yours told, yeah. told, um, told you all of these messages. Um, and is this something that you just kind of like... I know that visualization you had a response to, but that's the only way I can see it is like them coming into my place right now and sitting down and talking to me. Or is it in your dreams? Like, how do you do this? Um, It'll be different for different people. Uh, And then, of course, sixth step is always concrete, measurable action. So because it gives a physical reality that lets you know that you've changed. And one word about resourcefulness, because there are a lot of actions like reading and networking that are really good for our resourcefulness. And I've been a life and business coach for going on 24 years now, I think, if I'm counting right, or 23. Um, And there's the doing and there's also the being. And to my supreme annoyance, because I come from a family of lawyers and scientists, and it's very much a doing mentality, my results have always come far more from my being, (laughs) who I'm being, than what I'm doing. So when I talk about resourcefulness, when we slay the money monster, and then you are now in this love experience with your money, honey, you relax. The limbic brain, the reptile brain, the amygdala relaxes and your frontal cortex gets to take over because you're relaxed and feeling safe. And that's where our genius zone resides is in the frontal cortex so that then when you read or you go networking or you do the stuff that you did yesterday that didn't work. When you do it from this new place, that's when things get to shift. Yes. And it doesn't have to be heavy lifting. Back to you with Mother Mary. Here's the challenge with Mother Mary. You can't get that close to Mother Mary. She's better than like, you know, people have brought up Gandhi and Oprah and future self, all of which have a lot of value, but you're not equals on the same way the same level of intimacy is with a human person Hmm. and i'll just i don't know that i asked you whether you're gay or straight so i'll pretend you're straight yeah i am (laughs) okay so there's something that happens with a guy who we love who loves us whose heart we can break when we are are complacent push him away take him for granted or we're bad to ourselves It's more real. We have more frame of reference and it heals all those little broken parts in us. So not only is it affecting our relationship with money, it's also reflecting our it's it's changing our blueprint for love and all of our relationships. So I have found from experience that this equality and intimacy and vulnerability between lovers produces the best results. And I also know that a lot of people have had deep sexual wounds and maybe that's not the place to start and that's okay. And you'll get there. 
Beautiful. So when you talk about step six, taking concrete measurable action, I love this distinction of doing versus being. And even for me and my own income generation, I remember doing webinars and promoting my job offer academy methodology in my course. And I remember doing the same webinar so many times and one time before a webinar, and I'll never forget it, I prayed. And it wasn't just praying for money. I just was ready for what I cared about to be out there in the world. And I, I knew that if I kept not being able to sell it, 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 I had to let it go. And so I really felt it. And I was in tears before the first webinar, just asking, you know, the universe, whatever I believed in to support me in making an impact and connecting with the people who listened. And I'll never forget that was the first webinar that I made $40,000 off of it. And then every webinar I did since live made the same amount. And after that first one, I was like, there's no way this was a fluke. And I called my mom and I, and I sounded like a, one of those lottery winners in the Midwest with like one tooth. And I was like, I win. Like I got 40 sales. I can't believe it. And I was like, there's no way this is going to happen next week. And it did. And it was because my being shifted. So what you're saying is so, so powerful. Do you have any final words for everybody who is, you know, really taking in what all you've shared for them to really be and walk the walk? You know, wherever you are is the perfect place to start. Use whatever has happened in your life, especially if you have wounds in your background, make them the key to your wealth. It would be horrible to go through painful stuff and not milk it for your own personal evolution and betterment all you can. Um, I think the last thing I would say is, your, I, and I said this earlier, your relationship with money is a really great mirror of your relationship with yourself and with life. And you're going to have this relationship your whole life. So make it a good one and make it based on love. Mm, thank you so much, Morgana, for an incredible interview. And I'm so excited for everybody listening to I'm going to do some after episode notes for everybody to listen. And what an honor it's been to talk to you. And my pleasure. And yeah, go to MorganaRay.com, get my four-part video series, take advantage of all the resources there. And, you know, your prosperity, it serves the world. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you again. My pleasure. Thank you. Hey there. Um, Just reflecting really deeply on this week's episode with Morgana Ray. I feel like money is a topic that comes up often. It's sprayed on social media, whether it's as light as a picture of somebody somewhere that looks really luxurious that has a price tag on it, or as heavy as somebody who is showing off their car on their dating app photos you know, whatever it is, but the thing about money that I've learned the most in all of this personal development is that money is neutral, but it's how you hold it that often isn't. And what I've been working on so deeply is the way that I hold money inside of myself. And right now, if you have a piece of paper, you could just write the words money is. And if you start writing free form, you're going to find that there's so many different judgments you have about what money means or what it is and obviously those are all blocks if you say money is greedy then why would you want to be greedy it's it's going to block you from wanting to make money but one thing i never really considered is how much money is tied to 
your body and the moments in your life where maybe you felt violated. And that really hit me hard listening to Morgana because I've definitely looked at my judgments on money. I've definitely forgiven myself in my mind and and my beliefs about money. I do believe in mindset. I do agree with Morgana that although 2% of our function comes from our conscious mind, I do believe we can reprogram and rewire our subconscious mind. And that's the work that I've done a lot with private coaching people is radically shifting the way they see the world. I recently had a client who um, couldn't figure out what she wanted to do in her career. And that radically transformed when we started to take a look at all the beliefs she was buying into about who she had to be and what she had to do. And once we started, you know, really questioning those and allowing her the space to forgive herself for carrying those, her subconscious mind went through a rewiring and it translated that inner shift translated into a different outer reality in her career. She got so much clarity from the coaching and from these conversations and it was really, really powerful. But what I hadn't considered was taking a look at our, our relationship with our body and feelings of safety. And I think this could strike a chord with so many of you. And what came up for me is something that I haven't really shared much of, but as you know, I'm, I'm always an open book. My intention is to always be in a state of service and not to share and overshare and be an emotional leak on you, but rather to share in service. And so it feels appropriate here to share that when I was seven years old, I was violated by an extended family member. And I know one out of three women experienced sexual harassment on some level, Um, But I was molested one time and it was interesting because I remember going to therapy in college about it and saying, well, it only happened one time. And one of the biggest shifts that I had was one time was enough to come that trauma uh, that completely shifted my belief system about my body, about me, about my safety. And so for those of you who've experienced any sort of violation when it comes to your feeling safe in your body, feeling honored with your body. Uh, I never, ever considered how much this might have to do with money. And um, one of my biggest healings has been to take a look at how that affected me and how I see the world and men and love and relationships because of it. And for the longest time, I didn't think it affected me at all. I kind of thought, okay, this is something that happened with an extended family member when I was a kid. And I forgave the person on my own accord, silently. I journaled about it. I therapized about it. I went to a therapist. And what I didn't realize was how unsafe I felt because this family member wasn't just somebody that, you know, that I went through that with, but it was somebody that I had to see on an ongoing basis because my mom believed in having dinner parties. And so every dinner party, which would happen a couple times a month, uh, especially on Sunday, she'd do Sunday night dinners. I would see this family member who crossed the line and violated me as a seven-year-old. And it reinforced this feeling of, of disempowerment, fear, and a lack of safety that stayed with me throughout my life. And it wasn't until this interview with Morgana that I was able to see, holy shit, like this happened to me at a young age and this really affected the way I feel about my safety in the world. And so it's really interesting because I think I had a belief or a yearning, a deep yearning to feel safe all the time as most of us do. It's, we're hardwired to seek safety. 
And one of the ways that I've sought safety is in my ability to be resourceful and make a lot of money. It was a way for me to feel like I have control. I call the shots in my life. Nobody gets to control who I am, how I be, what I do, if I can make money. But what I'm also curious about now through this interview is Morgana talking to me about my dad losing all of his money and the belief that I formed that money kills. And I definitely believe that. I resonate with that. I feel a part of that. And so it's no wonder that I've in the past been excellent at making money because of this violation of my body and wanting to feel safe in the world. And it's also no surprise that I'm great at spending it because I have a belief that money kills and that it's going to take away from me in some way. Because when I was a kid, a lot of it was taking away my dad. It took away his presence. It took away his sanity. Um, I watched his self-worth so tied to his money that he, you know, questioned being here in the world. So what I want to impart to you now is just the question of how do you feel in your body what has happened in your life that has affected how you feel in your body? And how are you, you using money uh, as a tool for safety or security to play that out? And what kind of pain have you been through with money? And giving yourself the gift to really go through Morgana's steps. Um, you know, so as she said, step number one, uncovering the root cause. So really thinking for a moment, you know, what memories do you hold about money? Closing your eyes and really tapping into that experience in your body of of painful memories around money and taking a look at what you believed because of that experience, what you thought about, what you held inside of yourself and, you know, personifying the pain into a money monster. So in my case, at first it was Ted Bundy, the serial killer, you know, this sleek looking man who was going to kill you. Um, But later when I listened to Morgana Moore, it became a slave driver. That money was something I had to do to survive and be safe. Um, and you know, step three, the obliteration of this monster that feels really, um, I don't know, intense. And I've, I've no idea how Morgana facilitates that. I have been through a lot of transformational events and seminars where I have seen people reenacting their pain. Um, so there's a lot of different ways you could do that. Um, I'm sure that we could all go on a Google craze about Googling, you know, the process of releasing pain through direct experience, um, you know, personifying an event uh, that you remember and replaying it out. And there's a lot of life coaches and coaches like me that that we do this. Um, So I have different ways of of doing that with myself. But I would say step number four, getting to that place of meeting your money, honey. I thought it was really interesting that I saw Mother Mary, this like nurturing, maternal, safe presence who could give me wisdom. That was what I pictured instead of, you know, Ted Bundy, the serial killer, or like a slave driver Nazi from the Holocaust kind of whipping me in the back. So whatever it is that you picture, you know, um, Morgana, I thought it was really interesting. She had a lot of sexual energy is what I felt on Morgana. You know, she was in her feminine and all about talking about pleasure and money. I thought that was so interesting. Um, and so for me, you know, I guess if I pictured money as a lover, it would be like, I don't know, Liam Hemsworth, like, Hey babe, it's all going to be okay. (laughs) I have no idea, but 
um, dialoguing with your money, honey, this is actually something that I'm fascinated by as a modality in therapy. It's called Gestalt therapy from the philosopher and from the renowned Gestalt. He came up with this idea that we have two aspects of ourselves and that one way to heal and one modality to heal is to have a conversation with these two aspects of yourself. So let's say right now you're, you're struggling to come up with a decision on something really important in your life, then you're going to want to dialogue with perhaps who you are now and your future self. And you could do that on paper. You can put FS for future self and S for self. And you can have yourself on paper, ask your future self a question and channel your future self when you're writing the answer. Or you can do it as a conversation with yourself. So I kind of see her step five, dialoguing with your money, honey, as, as gestalt therapy, really dialoguing with two elements of yourself because you are your money, honey, as well. Like that is your own visualization. That is your own co-creation with the universe. Um, and sec- step six, taking measurable action. Um, I love Morgana's feedback about being versus doing. Um, so I would say coming up with um, in that dialogue with your money, honey, like what recommendations does, because I really see your money, honey. I know she sees it as a lover. I see it as your higher self. Like what is your higher self telling you um, about your relationship with money that you need to go and do? Um, so I could go on forever and ever, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. For those of you listening to this, I, I you know, um, I salute you in your journey through these six steps. And I found this conversation to be profound. I found Morgana to be very different, both in her energy and her way of being. Um, and I really admire the way she stands in the world as her own being. So those of you who are about to embark on this journey, I send you love. Um, I send you patience with yourself. That's what I hope you are, is patient with yourself. And I can't wait to connect in next week's episode. And as always, Instagram me at Ashley Stahl. If you have any thoughts to share, I'm sending you a lot of love. Have a great day. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode.